Welcome to the WAVE podcast. WAVE stands for Women Living with HIV, Advocates, Voices, Empowered. The WAVE is a series of podcasts by and for women living with HIV around the world, talking about our sexual and reproductive health and rights. I live in Zimbabwe. I'm a woman living with HIV and I'm speaking to the WAVE podcast. There's been a lot of education around uh, cervical cancer in Zimbabwe. There's a lot more awareness. We actually know that people living with HIV, women are the ones who are getting the cervical cancer, dying from the cervical cancer, and mainly it's because they can't afford the treatment. People have been getting screened. The screening had been free for women living with HIV. But then at some point, people began to get worried when some some fellow women were found with cancerous cells that needed and were referred for further treatment. When we go further, if you are found with anything, women cannot afford the treatment. Then it just means... Yeah, you are on your own. If you are not employed, if you are not on uh, medical in- medical aid or medical insurance, then it means um, they had to pay. In a way, as people reported back to to their colleagues around how they experienced the further uh, referral for further management of what uh, abnormalities that had been found, people started to ask, why are we even being screened if there's no recourse when I'm found with, with something that is that needs, you know, agent treatment. Because it may take me maybe over a year or more before I can find the money. So if the issue is finances, the issue is also the transport infrastructure where we don't have a proper public transport system if you don't have money for transport, you can't go. You might have money for transport, you reach the health facility, they ask you to pay, and you don't have the money to pay for the service, so you have to go back without the treatment. For me, a lot of times, even I'm in an urban area, and for a lot of other women living in urban areas, it's, it's not much to get on a local uh, bus to get to the, to, to get to the health facility. But sometimes you don't even have it. And then what more of someone who lives in a rural area and has to travel a longer distance and paying more money than what we do and their options of earning any money in the areas they stay are very slim, if at all they exist. I think there's a lot of unfairness. I'm just very angry with what I see and the devastating effects of how a program not responding to citizens' needs actually drive people to desperation. I think what I find in health health facilities that is unfair is when women are told that, oh, they presented late. Because for a lot of women, when they present and the cancer is already, then they say they presented late. But is it of their own making that they presented late or they presented, they were screened, 
they were referred for further management. The further management point said they had to pay, and they didn't have any means of payment, which is a tragedy, and it's very unfair, because I think the country needs to put resources in terms of making sure that once someone gets screened and they are found with that, they know, no woman is turned away because they can't afford the treatment. Most facilities here are actually demanding payment upfront. But when relatives see you are really sick, then maybe they are selling their property to make sure that you get treatment. And and I, I find that they are, they are spending much more than what could have been spent if they'd got the early treatment of the uh, precancerous lesions. And also, when I say screening is free, it's free for women who are HIV positive. And only if they actually present medical records that is in public facilities. So if for, for women who are not HIV positive, for women who are HIV negative, they have to pay. I think the last time I checked at the bigger hospital here, the Paririnyatwa hospital, they were saying that women have to pay $25 for the screening. I, I had also gone for screening on that day and I was thinking, okay, so for those who are negative, are they assuming that all those who are negative actually have the means to pay? We know that with the high unemployment and we know, we, we know that a lot of women actually do not have that kind of money. Once that happens, that you can't afford the treatment, you know, people suffer quite a lot and, um, and they end up dying even in pain because I can assure you that the palliative care, it's a lot of times it's just in a simple, if it's my sister, I try to look after my sister with no professional help, no professional guidance, nothing, and I'm just doing the best I can because it's my sister. What I do upload uh, National AIDS Council for, they actually started looking at um, non-communicable diseases. And that we know that the, the biggest non-communicable disease is, um, is cervical cancer, which, which is something we have been saying we need to also be involved. As women living with HIV, when they do their stakeholder meetings and whatever that involves, we need to be included. Unfortunately, there are uh, divergent voices because someone released a letter which says demands from pe people living with HIV, which said National AIDS Council must stop dealing with, uh, with NCDs, with non-communicable diseases. And to, to me and other, and other women, it came as a complete surprise. So for that, I think it's because we no longer have a robust uh, treatment literacy program like we used to have before the advent of ARVs. Some people, yes, they have the passion to be advocating for, you know, for the rights of people living with HIV, for the for their access of uh, services. But I think without looking at the evidence that is being produced, and a lot of the evidence around cervical cancer has been has been generated within Zimbabwe itself. That, like annually, the, in Zimbabwe, three thousand one hundred and eighty-six new cases. Are diagnosed every year. These are estimates for 2018, so they are very recent. And uh, cervical cancer is the leading cause, the topmost leading cause of female cancer in Zimbabwe. 
and uh, also in the first one in terms of um, the fem common female cancer in cancers in women aged 15 to 44 years. So a whole generation of young women are affected by this. As women, we need answers and we need solutions. This is why we say let's sit together at the table, let's discuss and hear us and actually stop calling our issues as anecdotes. But also what needs to change as well is among um, communities, among people like me and fellow advocates and activists to keep ourselves informed. I, I compare with the time um, in the early 2000s before we had ARVs in Zimbabwe. And when people got sick, we just had this system of supporting each other, particularly with information. Information was the power that made a lot of us live. As support groups, as um, networks of people living with HIV, as um, aid service organizations, there was funding to support those community, that community work. But now it's, all, it's non-existent, the funding to make sure that that work is supported. So at the moment, one has to try as much as possible to continue being connected to the community and giving the support, but while also taking if you can, another job where you earn some money so that you can feed yourself, it leads to serious burnout because <laughs> both are full-time. You are doing two full-time jobs. That's what it's like. But except that one is not paid and the other one, maybe you get paid, but for one to survive. But then it means how much can you put into that unpaid work in terms of getting accurate information, keeping up to date with the evidence that is being generated, the new trends, the new, the new guidelines, the new information, the new uh, good practices that are coming up from others. How much can you keep up with that? And uh, I, I, I'm just finding that for a lot of us, particularly in our context in Zimbabwe, we have the passion, but without the financial and material support and also, we no longer have that system where we give each other, even as activists, yeah, sessions where we would make sure that we are updating each other, also inform each other about the new trends. And a lot of times I, I see people get frustrated because if I don't have the updated information or if I'm doubting, then I say, please, I, I can't answer now, but I'll find out for you. And sometimes because you have a whole list of other things that you need to do for your paid work, it may take some time and I, I, I think it's frustrating for someone who's desperate and they really want this information. In a way, we are not, we are not doing our, ourselves or our nations or fellow um, citizens any favors by rushing into into by rushing into, you know, just giving giving information even though it might be outdated. Because sometimes you don't know, but you think, oh, okay, I haven't used this information for a long time. I just need to check if it's still relevant. But how many people are able to do that? Because also the other thing is a lot of the things we have to check on internet and um, internet data is very, very expensive as well. Peer support, treatment literacy and advocacy is still highly, highly relevant. Although it seems the focus is shifted from that and uh, it doesn't look like anyone wants 
anyone wants to support that. And also when activists get burned out, what happens? Then there's no, there's no, <laughs> people just say, oh, look after yourself. But sometimes, how do you look after yourself when you are, when you, when you are now known as an, as an advocate and activist? It's like you are on call 24 hours a day. I know people deal with burnout differently, but also getting together with others and actually debriefing and, you know, and getting to do something together so that you, you know, you re-energize and get back into the system to, to provide um, that activism and advocacy work. It's worrying because it seems we are forgetting to to look after ourselves, we are we are more concerned about, and we are pushed to look after to look after others, and not look after ourselves. <laughs> we can't continue looking after others if we don't look after ourselves. Especially dealing with these uh, cervical cancers, it also drains you as the person who's trying to give support, because one, you know, you can't give the money for them to get the treatment, you can't give the money for their pain relief. But just being there and, you know, watching that person in pain, I empathize a lot when I see people with cancer, and, and particularly when it's women with cervical cancer, and you know that this could have been, you know, stopped in its tracks at a certain point when they presented for screening. I think it's a skewed system altogether where we talk about women being important and being valued, but I think... The biggest demonstration of how women are valued is how we take care of their health, especially within the public health system. This podcast is produced by the Salamander Trust with support from UNAIDS. If you'd like to know more about the issues, please go to the Salamander Trust website, www.salamandertrust.net. Thank you for listening.